This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and in this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast, I'll be talking with Steve Delorto, the founder and CEO of Concentric, a pre-construction platform that is transforming the fractured pre-construction environment by unifying data, people, and processes. We'll be talking about evolving industry challenges and why it's so important to make pre-construction a top priority. And one of the things I want to say before we dive into this episode is this episode is not sponsored by Steve's company at all. We had him on the show because what Concentric's doing with pre-construction data and processes, I believe can be applied and is in some ways in the design process for civil engineers, in the proposal process for civil engineers. We have to think at every level of our projects more about data and how to use the data to service our clients better in consulting. And that's what I find really valuable in this episode. So with that, we're going to get into it. Before we go on here, I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Tensar International. Here's a message from Tensar about their award-winning software, Tensar Plus, which is available to you at no cost. Check out Tensar Plus the award-winning design software for construction professionals to design with geosynthetics and calculate their value on projects. Tensar Plus is simple to use with a powerful engineering system at its core. It leverages our decades of research and experience with soils all over the world, so you can count on your solutions working the first time, even in the most difficult conditions. Whether you're designing a crane pad or need to build a temporary road over muck, the cost, time, and carbon savings can be calculated Making comparison with alternatives simple. Specs, reports, and product data can be generated for your design. And training resources, research, and our third-party expert reviews are all provided conveniently in the software if needed. Usable both online and offline, the app is available in browser and on all major mobile platforms. Whatever you're working on, Tensar Plus is your toolbox for success. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now I'd like to welcome my guest onto the podcast for today. Steve Delorto is the founder and CEO of Concentric. Steve, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thanks for having me today, Anthony. Looking forward to it. So, Steve, just to get us going, why don't you explain to our listeners what it is that you do on a day to day basis at Concentric? On a day to day basis, uh, as a founder of a startup is um, less than routine, let me just tell you. But it's some combination of constantly trying to develop and drive the product, which is our platform from a software perspective. But the majority of my time, and quite honestly, the favorite part of what I do is just engaging with our customers because it's a very collaborative process in terms of as we're developing something, obviously informed with my 26 years of experience doing it, but also collecting and getting their feedback, ideas, 
it's so much fun. And it's not unlike the design process of designing buildings and uh, infrastructure. I mean, you're just getting great people together, exchanging ideas, and you're building something. So it's very familiar territory for me from my days as a general contractor and design builder, but now in the software space, getting to interact with you know the broader community and um, building something special is what I look forward to doing day in and day out. But yeah, it's quite varied for sure. The life, I'm sure, of a you know someone a founder of a startup is probably is fairly similar to a civil engineering professional because you know when you're working on civil engineering infrastructure projects, you have no idea what the day what's going to unfold in the day in terms of what's going on with the contractor, what's going on with the client or the owner, or the agency, or whatever the case may be. So there's definitely some similarities there. But Steve, maybe you can start out by explaining the concept of pre-construction planning and its significance in today's evolving construction industry. There's some different connotations of pre-construction, but if you just really think about it as the stage that precedes construction, I think helps define it on the on a more broader basis and, and more appropriately so, because it involves everything that the design team as part of the stakeholder group involved in a project is doing, the inputs from the owner or the agency that's sponsoring or has the idea for the development of that asset, whatever it is. And as well as the builder community that all come in together to plan a project from just that original idea or concept all the way through to the point where the design is totally done, the budgeting work is done, all you know, everything's secured and it is just purely a construction project, which these days it's not this kind of clean, bright, straight finish line. Everything's fast tracked and far more dynamic. So just very dynamic. So in that whole pre-construction timeframe, you know, these timeframes can be as short as two or three months. They can be as long as three plus years. It all depends, but there's an enormous amount of work that goes on iteratively balancing, Hey, here's where we're how we're advancing the design. And here's how the budget is trending and, and in response to the design. The permitting, you know, you brought up as a civil engineer, you know, every day you just don't know what the agents interactions might yield. So, you know, you got this array of workflows and studies and things to both proactively look into as well as react to. Pre-construction is just that. It's everything leading up from the idea to a pure construction job. Again, from the design perspective, all of the budgeting, planning, scheduling, logistics that the builders really come into the table with, as well as the inputs and decision-making and guidance that the owner provides. For our listeners, a lot of them who I'm sure in the design side of civil engineering, but also many of them probably in the construction management side as well. What I always like to say about the podcast here, Steve, is as a civil engineering professional, I think the more well-rounded you can be the more intelligent you'll come off to your clients and you can just add more value to the whole process. So, you know, that's why we wanted to talk to Steve a little bit about the pre-construction phase, because if you as the civil engineer, as the design professional can add value in that phase, you can make your clients' lives a lot easier once you get to construction, which, oh, by the way, makes your life a lot easier because a lot of that stuff has been already thought out ahead of time, which is very, very important. So what would you say are some of the major challenges that the construction industry faces today and how proper forecasting and pre-construction planning can really help you to mitigate or overcome some of these challenges. There's no shortages of challenges in our industry. That's what makes it fun, but it's also very risky. And it just takes special people to really want to come in and uh, 
be a part of this whole process. But you know, the challenges or what everybody's looking for in the process is some degree of a, a certainty of outcome. And the challenge, broadly speaking, is you're starting at some point, let's just call it day zero, and this certainty of outcome that you're searching for is achieved like at year five, year six, because it's taking you two years or so to design and permit and go through all of that. And then ultimately the construction schedule may take you another two or three years. So it is not at all like a one-time transactional thing and how you might build or or uh, assemble a widget. These are long-term commitments, long-term efforts involving a lot of different people. So the challenge is, what can you do to provide that level of certainty? And, and we've all read the articles where projects are routinely very late, 10, 20% over budget, 100% over budget. I mean, you can hear all the horror stories. But from the standpoint of, I'm just a firm believer in a certainty of outcome. And the more we can do to all collectively contribute and leverage our prior experiences, lessons learned, and ideas, pull them all together, as well as with all of our data that can really help us drive good decision-making and a lot more accurate forecasting from a cost perspective and schedule perspective or just general process and outcome perspective, all is going to eventually start to drive us to a higher degree of accuracy, which then provides everybody that certainty of outcome. And that helps everybody. For everybody wants a certainty of outcome, the definition of it may be different. An owner wants to know that, hey, I'm authorized for this amount of money to do this project and I need to deliver it at X date. Well, if we can nail those two things more consistently, they win. They're going to be very happy. Likewise with the builder, same thing. If we can have predictable results and outcomes and get information when we're expecting it so the builder can do their job, then that's great too. And, and so with the designer, everybody in the design stakeholder group has a vision they have an idea of what's possible, and it's fantastic when you get to the end of the project and it is either the same or it exceeds what that original vision was contemplated to be and have a nice, smooth, collaborative process along the way. That, to me, is for those three different stakeholders, the different definitions of a certainty of outcome or a positive result that I think we're all striving for. The biggest challenge in construction these days, like many things, is risk and uncertainty. It's inherent, I think, in all of our kind of infrastructure projects. It's a big component of it, which is why those of you that are in the design world, the same thing when you're designing these projects, you also look for to create some contingency for yourself on your projects to account for risk. The same thing goes into the construction process, which is usually a higher risk because it's just a higher dollar value, right? When you get to that point, when you get to the construction side of it. So in terms of mitigating that risk to some degree and trying to provide more clarity. Talk about some ways that things like unifying processes or data, like you mentioned, or workflow or the people that you work with can really benefit the construction and real estate industry and provide some of that certainty. Speak to some of those possible solutions. It's a really good point and a great topic on the risk side, because everybody does think about the pre-construction process about you know designing and budgeting, and they think those are really the efforts, but they overlook the, the essential fact of identifying the, all the, the risks that the project could face and trying to do, you know, to de address those so you're de-risking the project for everybody. But there's, you know, nominally two categories of risks. There's the external risks that 
uh, project faces that are largely out of your control. You don't control them. You don't create them, whether it's economic or macroeconomic risk or political risk. Those are things that as a team, everybody should be coming together to identify, to put in place plans to shelter the project from those risks, or inevitably some of those do kind of creep into the tent. And when they do, how are you going to mitigate those risks? But then what has plagued our industry is this risk shifting that goes on that it's like a hot potato and everybody's just shoving that hot potato into somebody else's hands. And when the, the music's up and whoever's holding the hot potato gets stuck, that's counterproductive. And I think what is happening there is that risk or that hot potato is the fear of the unknown. And that unknown could be pricing issues. That unknown could be something related to design and, and a code interpretation or whatever it might be. But we all do have the ability to hone in on those risks and really work them out, work them out of the system, drive them to where they're no longer a risk. And instead of dedicating all this energy to playing hot potato, you know, if the appropriate people with the right expertise have the time and the willingness to just drill into those and get them out, I think that can be achieved if everybody can really start to capture their data in a more structured way and have that data utilized because it's the data from your past projects and experiences that can be brought forward to help you understand the unknown and the fear around the unknown only exacerbates the risk. But if you can really drill in and quantify what it really is and then have prior experiences guide you on how you might be able to eliminate that risk altogether, that's not that big of a deal. And I think you have more buy-in and collaboration around working that risk out of the system. So that's part of what Concentric is designed to do as a platform is to really start to pull together and gather and leverage all of that data through the formulation of united workflows and, and processes such that data can help you, you know, inform your next project and the project after that to drive these risks, to surface them, and then have the data, the workflow, the ability to collaborate to drive those out of the project. And if you can do that, then I think the stakeholders are going to come out far more successful together and you'll have the time and energy to dedicate as a team to be tackling those you know, risks that are really external or outside of your immediate control. Net, 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 everybody's going to be way better off. Having that data, Steve, can be very helpful when you're making like in-project decisions. Uh -huh. You make better decisions because you got better data and you know what's actually going on because you've reviewed maybe more data or looked at it in different angles, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And I think there's also workflows and best practices that can be better institutionalized so that if you see a potential price spike in a particular material three months from now, maybe you have to react to that in a out of sequence way in terms of the development of whatever the contractual commitments are. I'm just making up an example here, but it's not really made up. It's a real life example I dealt with many times, but if now within, say, a platform with data and workflows that everybody knows, trusts, and can generally see and appreciate, now you can make those uh, preemptive moves to avoid that risk from coming to reality. And a lot of the risks are things that are the gathering storms on the horizon or the things that are kind of coming to you and you can kind of see them. 
it's really up to you to take the action to head those off before they become real. So, And I think this really applies to all avenues of life and business, the idea of like, you know, data driving better decisions. I mean, I'm involved right now myself in like a real estate transaction and I'm trying to think ahead of the game. Like, what if these things happen during this transaction? You know, how can I address them? Like, what if the property needs a new roof, right? Before you buy it, you figure that out. What if the central air is shot and you got to replace it, right? But at the same time, it'd be nice if be able to look at a, a library of data around similar types of structures and understand what some of the bigger problems are in these structures over time. So now I can make even more educated decisions as opposed to myself saying, hey, what if this happens? Hey, what if that happens? So I think generally speaking, all this data that's available today is very helpful for us in all different walks of life. Just so happens that you know Steve's focus with Concentric, of course, is pre-construction, which is very relevant to the civil engineering and the infrastructure industry. So to that end, Steve, maybe you can elaborate a little bit on how Concentric fills kind of some of those gaps in the pre-construction environment and what it is that really makes your pre-construction ecosystem, if you will, kind of dynamic. Well, we do like that term ecosystem because, you know, what we have in pre-construction right now in the space in general, I mean, obviously the design community has, you know, pretty advanced design tools with, you know, BIM and three-dimensional design but outside of that, you have a great standard approach to estimating and you have an estimating calculator type software and there's a few options to pick from there. And you've got a couple of other point solutions dedicated to the subcontractor bidding process. But the entirety of the ecosystem of pre-construction is full of gaps and holes and they've all been plugged with ad hoc spreadsheets and less than you know structured or repeatable, scalable workflows that are just done and made up as the pre-construction team reacts to a particular need. And if you really take a step back and you look at all the different workflows that at various points in times throughout that, you know, whatever, three month to three year pre-construction process, there's a lot going on besides just the actual estimating effort. And to have all of that underserved for so long by technology has just been a big handicap for the industry in terms of being able to gather, structure, and leverage that data in a way that can help you on your current endeavor and project, and then have that project as a historical project among many come forward for the next project and the next project after that. Think about the flywheel effect of the value of how that data is being enriched over and over and over again for all of the future projects that you're bringing in of a similar type. I mean, it's incredibly powerful when you can fill in those gaps with something that is allowing all of these workflows to get united and have all of that data united in a way that, and structured in a way that it can flow and inform all of these other different workflows. Because once you can kind of get visibility on the machine in total with all the wheels and the cogs and the levers working you know, together, now all of a sudden you've got a whole higher degree of metrics and analytics and you know we're in the age of machine learning and AI that truly becomes an engine of data that can really do some much more powerful stuff. And again, in the effort of providing a certainty of outcome, visibility and ways that you can mitigate risk, you know, I'm a proponent of two things picture's worth a thousand words. So if you can take all of this data and have it presented in a way that we as design professionals and builders ingest information, 
in a snapshot, you can understand exactly what you're looking at. I'm also a proponent of the concept of lines, not dots. You know, you can give me one data point and it tells me very little except for that one value. And you have no idea what that is relative to. But if you give me three or four dots, now I can start to put a line to it. And that gives me a sense of a trend and the direction things may be going, variability, et cetera. So that's the power of data. When you can start to present that in a smart way, it will really tell you a lot, both in what's going on today and the direction things could be going in the future. Before we go on here, a quick word from our sponsor for this episode, Simpson Strong Tie. Simpson Strong Tie is a building industry pioneer dedicated to helping people design and build safer, stronger homes, structures, and communities. Simpson Strong Tie is making a positive difference for their customers through expert engineering, world class test laboratories, and unrivaled technical support. We invite you to consider working alongside the many talented, passionate, and humble people who are all contributing to our shared mission in an environment that supports a healthy work life balance. It's a place where you can connect, create, and build a career. Visit strongtie.com forward slash careers to learn about our culture and why Simpson Strongtie employees are our most loyal customers. Concentric is a, a software, Steve, that allows you to house all of your pre-construction data under one umbrella or database. Is that how you would describe the software? A little bit more like when you come in, whether you're the builder, the owner, the architect, we want you to come into the platform as this holistic environment to come and do everything that you're going to do in, in that pre-construction phase. Doesn't mean that you're going to do the design work in our platform using tools that we build, but if we can be that central point that's interfacing with all of that and bringing it all together so everybody's operating in one environment, that you know the platform is designed really to be project first because there's so much data that any member of the stakeholders is contributing to the platform that is useful in other ways to the other members as they're thinking about the calculus behind decisions they need to make or things they need to present. If you think about an, uh, a developer, an owner's pro forma, 50, 70% of that pro forma from a cost perspective is largely the hard cost, the construction related costs of the project, but they don't have access to that data automatically that comprises such a big part of the primary thing that defines the ROI and whether they're you know succeeding or failing. And so if we could all be in that common environment, sharing what is otherwise 90, 95% non-proprietary data that the team should all be able to share, I think enormous barriers will have been eliminated that really help promote a higher degree of collaboration and joint success. And you're building basically a library of all this data that will help inform future projects. Correct. And it's not just stored, but it's constantly updated. So that way you don't have to intervene. And whether it's escalating dollar values or doing any sort of comparative analytics, we already have a lot of intelligence built within the platform that by just logging in or creating your new project that you're about to work on, if it's an office building, the platform's bringing forward all of the data from all of the past office. You know, if you think about it as a project or a product type, 
anything related to that product type is brought forward by default because you know our motto is to make less work not more because all of our customers you know designers the builders having to work way beyond their capacity as individuals everybody's just up to their eyeballs with work the last thing we need to do is make more of it we actually need to help reset a little bit of a, a normal balance there and even if it's one click or one piece of uh, data entry in a field that we can eliminate the need to deal with, then we're making progress. So, I think it's valuable to take that data, build a library with it. And like you said, the construction industry has been fragmented. It has been, people have been doing a lot of different things and to bring all that data under one roof and make it dynamic and it updates and it's there and it's available for you on your projects. I think it's just going to be really valuable. And at the end of the day, here in the US and beyond, infrastructure is a problem. I mean, we know that already. That's why there's the new infrastructure bill. And so anything we can do, obviously, to help tackle the problem of infrastructure is going to be critical. So that being said, Steve, are there any specific industries or project types that can benefit most from prioritizing pre-construction planning? Specifically within our industry, every project or every product type under that construction umbrella certainly can benefit from more comprehensive planning and as much energy as people can put today in planning. You know, if you think about like a pound of energy today is going to save you five pounds of energy to uh, fix things or address things or react to situations in the future. So I think it's hard for people to appreciate and put numbers on the ROI around that invested energy up front in planning. And I don't care if it's a single family home or a bathroom remodel, all the way up to, you know, a multi-billion dollar major infrastructure project. The more thought and planning and research you can do while it's still in concept is a lot easier than the cost and the energy it takes to fix something, particularly if it's halfway built and you need to change direction. But then if you think about industries, you know, construction is one of the top three or four from a portion of GDP perspective industries in the US and the same holds true for all modern countries. And, you know, the impact that you then have to all of the other industries and the broader economy is enormous. There's a lot at stake. And it's not just that one little project that we might be focused on in a given day, but the implications, the US, it's a $1.4 trillion industry. It's huge. And so, you know, you move the needle a little bit, it results in huge dollars for sure. And I think you mentioned it earlier about the unknowns and everybody's having to put a little bit of contingency here and there. That's not good. And people are having to do that to just kind of cover their bases, if you will. But if everybody's layering in contingencies for the unknown or for the inability to plan, and work that out and get a degree of certainty that eliminates the need for contingency. If everybody's adding contingency, think about how that's a lot of layer of fat in the overall cost structure of a project. How many projects have been deemed to be non-viable or no-goed because you know it's past that magic hurdle of whether or not it's financially going to cut it? And we can point to that thick, multi-layered level of all these contingencies and whatnot. And it's a little bit fear factor. And if we can really reduce that, then there's so much more that will uh, would otherwise be deemed viable that could be built. You know, we need the infrastructure to be improved and replaced 
to the tune of trillions of dollars. We have, you know, an education and school system. We have housing deficits. We have all of these things that could be the deficit across the board can be greatly reduced if we can convince ourselves that, hey, these projects are truly affordable just because we're dealing with more accurate information and we have a higher degree or a, a sense of confidence in that certainty of outcome. Yeah, I think that's really important because I know for a fact a lot of design firms lose projects because the contingency just drives their proposal price up too high and then they're not competitive. So software like this can certainly help you to be more accurate and more realistic, if you will. I mean, I think in engineering, of course, you always want to have some level of a factor of safety. But when it comes to what if it's because you just don't have data, then that's not really a smart or efficient way to do things. That's a wasteful way to do things, if you will. And that's something that obviously in the engineering world as a whole, in terms of sustainability, we're trying to avoid. And so data can definitely be the way to limit that kind of fat, if you will, like you said, on the cost structure, which can really prevent you as a firm from getting a project or a community as a whole, like Steve mentioned, getting a new bridge, getting a new roadway, getting a new, you know, whatever the case may be, stormwater system, because it just became like non-viable because the consultants or the contractors had to just jack up their prices because they weren't aware of what they were getting themselves into, so to speak. Well said. All right, Steve, I got one more question for you to wrap us up here. Let's take it back to civil engineering for a minute. Kind of looking ahead here, how do you envision the future of pre-construction planning in the field of civil engineering? You know, what trends and developments do you foresee that might kind of further enhance the importance of pre-construction planning in the civil and, you know, construction industry? You know, my career, I was involved with both the vertical building side of the business as well as the, you know, the horizontal side in terms of infrastructure, roadways, bridges, et cetera. What we've seen in the vertical building side for a couple decades now is the pendulum swinging towards much more, you know, say a collaborative delivery, whether it's the best value procurement to initiate the team, but ultimately just the way we need to behave and come together to plan a project jointly has grown rapidly to the point where those classic hard bid projects that are designed and formulated in a vacuum without any sort of contractor input in a meaningful way. Those are very much almost, they haven't gone away. I doubt it will go away, but everybody to the best of their ability is trying to steer it to include some level of collaboration and early partnership. We're also seeing the the civil or heavy civil world also follow that same path, although maybe a little bit behind from a timetable of what we're seeing in the vertical building side. But whether it's design build or these best value procurements that allow the contractor to come and be part of the composite team with the owner or agency and and the design team at an early stage during planning before things are even built. I think all of that points to a really positive direction. It's a way that you can provide more planning, uh, logistical and cost input at every stage when you're considering design options or the direction to take a particular design. And I know from being in all of those meetings, people are in want for, hey, I'm about to design this or specify this, and I don't really know, am I looking at the highest price option? Is there a, is there a more cost-effective way of doing this? And they want that input. But I do see, particularly on the civil side or the public side, there's a lot of regulation and administrative codes that just don't allow 
the agency to go to the market with a project that allows that sort of collaborative delivery. And we're seeing state by state, the municipal agency finding ways to revise their administrative code in order to allow them to embrace more collaborative delivery. So it's going in the right direction. I'm certainly encouraged by it. And I think project teams, you know, down to the individual are all going to find a much better experience and achieve a higher degree of that certainty of outcome that I was talking about earlier. This is truly the way of the future for civil engineering at every stage of a project, meaning Steve's happens to be talking about concentric and what they're doing with pre-construction, but even during the design phase, before you get into the design or pre-design phase, if you will, the more information you can pull, especially from other projects, your design process will go smoother. The proposal phase, when you're just responding to an RFP, the more data you have from past projects, and a lot of engineers, you do have data from past projects, but you're just pulling it together on your own. You're not able to see from a library or see from you know real trends in the industry that, like Steve said, make your job easier, make you have to work less and spend more time on some of the other aspects of your client relationships or projects that can be very beneficial. So Steve, I want to thank you for taking some time and spending it with here on the Civil Engineering Podcast. I wish you the best of luck with Concentric. You're doing great stuff and I hope that you uh, keep it up. I appreciate it, Anthony. And hopefully everybody can take some time and visit us on our website at it's concentric, C-O-N-C-N-T-R-I-C.com. Come see us. Absolutely. And we'll put a link to the website there in the comments here in the show notes under the video. Check it out. And you know, if you have ideas or you have examples of how you've tried to use data in your career as a civil engineer in the design process or the proposal process, like I talked about, we'd love to talk to you and hear ideas or comments about that as well. Because like I said, this is something that can be done at every level of a project which is happening, you know, it's happening day by day. And the more we do it, I think the more effective our projects will be. Thanks again, Steve. Yeah, thank you, Anthony. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Steve. I do really think that this whole idea of creating libraries of data at every level of a civil infrastructure project can really be a win-win-win. For everybody involved, it can be a win for the designer, a win for the contractor, a win for the owner, a win for the community that gets the project, because projects can just essentially be delivered better. Please remember you can find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. And until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at Engineering Management Institute dot org.